0: A radio show that confesses Christ without
1: confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. You know, but if the busboy at that restaurant and you're there simply to clear tables and you notice that there's people that aren't coming in, it's not your job to start changing aspects of the restaurant because it's not your restaurant. So the question is, is whose church is it? I mean, if, if it's right. if it's our church, then we better get busy and start doing all these things because it's up to us to quote grow the church. But if it's right. the Lord's church, he's the one who gets to call the shots. Did you
0: hear what it says? The church is not a monster with two heads. There's only one head, Jesus and Peter.
1: <laughs> wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. That's, that's Hold on, I can count. Jesus, one, Peter, two, the bottomless pit of podcasts. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> I like that the abuso. <laughs> Welcome to the abuso. You know, I'm a little confused. You know, I, as as you know, the highlight of everyone's Surprise. of of sh- everyone's Table Talk Radio, the highlight is the 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 bumper music, or at least it used to be. And mm-hmm. um, I remember when we used to have good bumper. Music. And I have this thing that's been on my to do list to to. You know, people have been sending in, you know, music that could be used in droves, and uh, I'll get to it sometime. But, but most recently, I got an email from you, uh, a, mm-hmm. a, a little library of music that can be used, and and so I look into this, and this is what Pastor Wolfmuller um, sent me to play for bumper music, which I think is great. Oh yeah! <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back to actually- Cable Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Hola. Estas,
0: mi amigos? <laughs> I wanted to say welcome to Table Talk Radio in Spanish, but I don't know how. <laughs> welcome to Table Talk Radio. Radio. The Table Talk. De... Table Talk. You know, there's what ta- table you There Table <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, I always have to tell you a story. That there was one time when I was trapped in Juarez, Mexico, on my way to Mazatlan, in the back of this beat-up Plymouth Americana. It's a bit of a long story, but anyway, eight hours trapped in in uh, Juarez, couldn't figure out how to get out, and we didn't have a map, and we w- went to all the stores looking for a mapo. No one knew what we were talking about, mapo, because the word in Spanish for map is mapa. Mapa. <laughs> anyway, we made it eventually, uh, 37 hours later. Bit of a crazy week that week was. I'm glad. I like that bump I music. I hope we do that. System. Nothing but that. It's like, welcome to the I siesta.
2: For <laughs> <That's a laughs> in, <my> <laughs> in the mind. In the you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> this, this is the best. <laughs> Incarnacion. <laughs> I, I ate some bugs. No,
1: no, this isn't. And We're and just going to do this? We're just going to listen to Nacho Libre I mean, Something whatever. good inside So me. far, this is our best show it ever. helps me to carry on. I ate some bugs. I ate some grass. I use my hand to wipe my tears. Okay, let's um, take a look at the lineup for this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> we could just watch some, uh, some Jack Black, Nacho but instead... Libre instead we're going to be oh, listening to a different uh riveting uh i think this is a local cable television show it's called uh, ask the atheist who wouldn't want to watch ask the atheist this is yeah, a new show it. produced by the freedom from religion foundation you know those are the guys that that uh, will write um you know big lawyer letters to little tiny towns telling them to take their their crosses and their 10 commandments down or else a big lawsuit's going to come and all this kind of a thing so uh, we're going to be taking a look at that, but first buzzwords. Pastor Wolfner, would you? Would you please? My buzzword for you is presuppositionalism.
0: It's a word you used before we came on the air, and I never can remember what it means, so can you define it
1: for me, please? <laughs> you want it's me to define your buzzer? I
0: can, never, I can never
1: remember the difference between the presuppositionalists and the uh You, you are others. lucky. You know why you're so lucky? Because we why? just had uh, Dr. Francisco here in Rogue River to uh, teach us the difference between these two things. So I happen to have it fresh in my mind. Um, but th- So there's maybe different approaches to apologetics, the presuppositional approach um uh, takes uh, operates on the presupposition that um, God's word uh, is true. Now, that sounds like a good thing. Who wouldn't want to? Well, the person who wouldn't want to take that presupposition is the person you're talking to. <laughs> they might not believe that God's word uh, is true, but the presuppositional approach to apologetics uh, doesn't really seem to care. It, it is more about inciting the authority of God's word rather than presenting evidence.
0: Which, in contrast... Ah,
1: Presumstitial
0: against evidentialism.
1: Right. Now...
0: I, st- I still don't know the difference, really. Which, which are we? Flammy told me that I'm what's called a cumulative case, which I think <laughs> means I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Well, I Is don't, that a thing?
1: I don't know. That, I mean, certainly uh, the Book of Concord doesn't lay out which way a Lutheran stands on this. And I also don't think that there's really uh, something helpful to, say, be kind of all one side or the other. I think there's some things that are useful in both of these uh camps, and I think that it kind of depends upon the situation but I think that there's problems whenever someone takes a hard line one side or the other so if I was a a strict hard presuppositionalist um and you were you know doubting that god's word uh was uh well you were let's say you were doubting the resurrection rather than me trying to lay out some kind of a historical um, argument that saying look we have uh, documentation we have people eyewitnesses who wrote this down um i would rather want to approach the topic by saying um uh, the 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 word of god declares that uh that this is what happened um that's probably uh, there's probably more of a nuance to that but i think in 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 its premise that uh i mean so this is this is the way that i heard it described once sometime um if if you got pulled over by a police officer and the police officer walked up to the door and you doubted that this police officer had any authority whatsoever, he doesn't start laying out evidence as to why he is a police officer with authority. Um, he uh, he just uses his authority. And so um, the argument from the presuppositionalist side is that when you start making a case for the authority of the Bible rather than just using that authority, then... Um, uh, then you're kind of uh, sinking to the level of a person who um, has does not have a renewed mind and doesn't have the uh, capacity to believe in God's word. Interesting. So I don't know. I, I you know the, the the I think the reason that Lutherans kind of side on the evidential side is you have uh, some of the apologetic greats in Lutheranism like um, John Wart Montgomery, and then from that line you have. Um, you have uh, uh, Rosenblatt, and then all those who have kind of fa- come from Rosenblatt. And so that's clearly the, the uh, evidential side. But I think that what, something that's interesting about this is that as we see particularly those Lutherans um, who have kind of been trained in that line of, of apologetics, that their style of, ap- of evidential apologetics is not um, usually laying out some kind of a philosophical proof or kind of – Trying to prove that the Earth is six thousand years old or something like this, but it's always a historical route. Uh, I don't know if I say always, but usually a historical historical route, and I think that's significant because if we're yeah, if we're just trying to to convince someone who is an atheist that God exists on the basis of some some, some kind of a philosophical argument, I would agree that that could be a pretty futile uh, a futile endeavor. However, when we're dealing with um, the historicity, historicity of the man who walked this earth who was also God, I don't think that is futile. I think that now you're having to engage in this the claims that Jesus had that he was true God, and if he did rise from the dead, what, what would that mean? So when you're pointing to the evidence of Jesus, you're now dealing with the divine, not just some kind of abstract argument for the existence of God. Does hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sort of. I don't know. These are just some initial thoughts on the topic. I haven't... Uh, I haven't written my dissertation on it or anything, you know.
0: Well, that's, anyway, that's your buzzword, presuppositional.
1: <laughs> All right, mine's evidential, so we can get to the program at hand. Now, we're going <laughs> right. <we're> yep. <laughs> to we're going to, we're going to do some ask, pl- listen to Ask the Atheist. Now, this is the title of the show. You ready for this? What's wrong uh-huh. with the Ten Commandments? <laughs> so, the, the atheist is going to tell us what's wrong with the, the Ten Commandments. So, that's, I think I'm excited to hear that. This could be a super I mean, game a little bit. A super game of um, your neighbor, the cult leader, and uh, Ten Commandments in the in the TV show. Hmm. Here's a bit of the show. From
0: Is this their song? Yeah. A choir singing freedom from religion? I could barely hear it, by the way. Hopefully that's true with the listener also. We hopefully they can barely hear it.
2: Welcome to, to Ask an Atheist. I'm Annie-Laurie Gaylor, co-president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. And this is the debut Ligort. of our new interactive Annie program, Ligort. Ask an Atheist, where you can participate, whether you're a believer.
3: Or whether you're a non-believer of whatever you call yourself, an unabashed atheist maybe, or an indifferent agnostic. I'm Dan Barker. I'm co-president they, of they to the whole, I'm a about, former evangelical minister who just lost. What did you say?
0: Look how ecumenical. You could be an unabashed... Anybody who believes anything can be a, from an unabashed atheist to an indifferent agnostic. Yeah. We accept all kinds. That's right. We don't...
1: We're this not... This guy's an ex-evangelical pastor who lost his faith. <clears throat> ah, Okay. Well, actually, we're up on our first break already. So when we get back from this break, we'll get past the introduction what? of this uh, new show called <sighs> Ask an Atheist from the Freedom... From Religion Foundation, you're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we don't want to. We do want to hear from you. I almost said we don't. We don't want to hear from you. Whatever you do, don't call one 385 SOLA, or send us an send email. Send your questions
0: to Ask an Atheist <laughs> instead. <laughs>
1: Someone should send questions to us and Ask an Atheist and compare the answers. There you go. So if you're going to send it to us, send it That's to questions idea. at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. Part
4: time hosts, full time nonsense. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
0: We're going to Germany in September. Send me an email if you want more information. Be Wolfmuther at (laughs) gmail.com.
1: Where Welcome back music. to Table Talk Radio. I know. Hola. Como estas? <laughs> that really gets your uh, your incarnacion ready. I mean, <laughs> makes you want to go grab a sombrero, that bump music.
0: We'll break our vows together.
1: <laughs> Unless <laughs> right.
0: you want to. No, no, no.
1: You're listening to Table Talk Radio, That's where we're so. listening to the audio from the uh, cable television show, Ask an Atheist, the wildly popular... TV cable program, and this is where uh, they're going through it's a. Good thing topic. we're hitching our own popularity to this show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's probably. I think that they probably have a million listener or er, viewers for every one Table Talk Radio listener. Probably is what it is. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to listen a bit more audio. So this is the show. Uh, what's wrong with the Ten Commandments? Let's listen in.
2: A perennial favorite. What's wrong with the Ten Commandments?
3: And the answer is, of course, there's a lot wrong with the Ten Commandments. People think of them as being wise edicts for living. In fact, they epitomize the childishness, the vindictiveness, the sexism, the inflexibility, and the moral inadequacies of the God of the Bible.
1: Okay, so this is going to be interesting. And obviously the reason we thought this was worthwhile to talk about on today's show is that uh, here the atheists are going to try and say, well, well, um, why, why the Ten Commandments are what? Uh, so that make make the, the God of the Bible um, so, you know, brutal and mean and how you don't need to, the Ten Commandments to be, you know, good. But it is still the Ten Commandments that order our life. So... What we're about to hear, I, 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 I have not watched much of this, but I'm going to predict what we're going to hear is these atheists trying to um, explain away why the society around them is in order, <laughs> right? Because that's what the Ten Commandments <laughs> do—they order society. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's so right. We'll see yeah, what this my is, am- is, is amazing.
0: Just and and to make this point too, that the these new atheists are all crazy about. That they're not just saying that the Bible is historically wrong and everything else, but they want to say that the, Bi- that the doctrine of the Bible is, in fact, um, not just wrong, but bad. And this is kind of the, one of the marks of the new atheists, is that they'll say that the, 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 the doctrine of the Scripture is bad. So, just as a to be ready for that.
1: Okay.
2: Before parsing these ten edicts one at a time, we want to point out that only six of the Ten Commandments even deal with, with individual moral conduct, and this comes as a surprise surprise to most Christians. The first four commandments deal only with the uneasy vanity of the biblical deity, and how he (laughs) may get you, and even your children, and your great-great-grandchildren, if you fail to stroke that vanity.
4: And we should also point out that there are four versions of the Ten Commandments. There's Exodus 20, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 5, and Deuteronomy 27. Now the first set is the set that everybody thinks of as the 10 commandments. And this is what Moses got after wandering for three months in the desert with no food and no water and climbing a mountain. He heard a voice and attributed it to God.
1: Now I, I think it's interesting to refer to the previous comment, um, that the first four, which we would understand to be the first three, um, is just stroking the vanity of God. And I wonder how, if, if any of these atheists have children, if they've ever said, um, you know, a uh, Go clean your room and the child says, Why? If they've ever said, Because I said so Oh, <laughs> uh, you just want me to stroke your vanity. <laughs> I <mean>. That's right.
0: <laughs> it seems strange to me that if there is an all powerful creator of the universe is that he would in fact want to be recognized as God, that's awfully strange. <laughs>
4: The second set—that's crazy—begins with a promise. Uh,
0: the, the other thing that what you know they make there's all these there's these four sets. In fact, it's not there are two accounts of the Ten Commandments, Exodus twenty and Deuteronomy five, and everyone
1: knows that. I mean, that is not a supreme, But it's it's uh, not like there's like ten different commandments in these different readings. Right, right. It's just a, the same. It's just there,
0: just <laughs> the same. Right.
1: I mean, so I think the only difference is that the last two are switched in the Deuteronomy reading. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. That's the only difference, and so th- yeah, they're making it sound like um, oh, you, there's forty commandments, and you guys don't even know which ten are the ten.
0: <laughs> I know. Like the Christians have never read the Bible before. It's yeah. crazy.
4: Commit genocide and wipe everybody off the land for the Israelites, and that set ends with a with a stricture to not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Hmm. The third set is pretty similar to the first set. There are some differences. And the fourth set is just a list of people Yeah, but it's who because they're
0: the same. Th- Say again? It's because the first and the third are the same. And then the other two are not talking about the Ten Commandments. I, this is just... Anyway, sorry. This is not... This a-
4: series, we are going to focus on the first set, which is actually not even called the Ten Commandments. That phrase applied doesn't apply until the second set later on, where the one that ends with not boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk.
2: And um, so we want to begin, and with a little help from the so-called voice of God, as depicted in Cecil B. DeMille's 1950s epic, yes. the Ten Commandments.
1: Good, at least
3: That big, deep voice of God is this big, macho male voice.
2: Now, uh, the ten command- the first commandment alone is reason enough why it should never be up on governmental property or on public property. Um, the, f- the first commandment is all about the gover- uh, telling you which God to worship, and the government has no business telling you whether to worship a God or how many wor- uh, gods to worship or whether to go- worship any God at all.
1: All right. What's your comment on that? They should first of
0: all thank Luther for the fact that they can say that without getting killed. <laughs> well, so- second of all, I think it's a legitimate question: uh, what role should the government have uh, in uh, what? What is the connection between the church and the state? And I think we want to say, we while it is true that the government ought not to, um, the, the government cannot legislate orthodoxy because orthodoxy is a matter of faith and therefore in the heart. The the, go, the government should recognize itself, its role to allow space for the preaching of the gospel. And also it should be able to recognize that not all theologies are equal. So I think there is a, there, we, we talk about the distinction between church and state, uh, but nowadays people talk about the separation between church and state, and that's different. I think we want to maintain the distinction without talking about a separation, because in fact God has given the state
1: to serve the church. That's okay, so difficult for us to get our heads around, but I, I agree with everything you just said. However, um, I don't I don't know of any governments who are are arresting people if they don't believe in one true God. Um, so, in other words. Uh, the, the the US Constitution forbids the establishment of a religion. And I, I the only question I have is if if I um purchase a religious symbol with private money and want to have it displayed in a public place, is the government uh establishing a religion? And I think you're hard pressed to say that it is. Um, so that the, in many cases when the freedom from religion foundation goes and bullies little cities into taking things down they weren't um built uh, erected by um the governments but that uh, people put it there but it's on public space it's on public land um right so so we're not establishing a religion here we're just um you know we have these things now now granted the, the question is would you be okay with um you know, someone putting a crescent moon in the park. And if that would offend you, then that's a fair that's a fair conversation to have. So um just because um you're a Christian doesn't give you more entitlement to have your religious symbolism in a public place. But but it's I, I think we should take it off the table that it's not establishing religion for the government to have uh religious symbols in public places. I I just I'm just not there. Right. I'm with you. All right, let's see what more she says about this.
2: Clearly, it's the antithesis of the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States.
1: Yeah, the Freedom from Religion Amendment.
2: It's not religious liberty. (laughs) It's religious tyranny. (laughs) Now, we have the Second Commandment coming up.
4: Uh, Yeah, let's see what they say. So, this is why it's actually really important to go and read the Bible, even if you're an atheist, because if you continue reading this commandment, it actually says that God will punish people who worship those idols to the third and fourth generation. It says that, I will punish children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generation. So, in this commandment, God manages to ban all art, He manages to ban the freedom of religion, and he manages to punish innocent children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren. So it would be difficult to come up uh-huh. with a more immoral law than this one.
3: Well, that's the epitome of injustice, isn't it? <laughs> I would think to so. To punish children for what their parents did.
4: <laughs> exactly.
0: Right? Uh-huh.
3: So let's go. All right, you have a comment yeah, so on that the,
0: one? <clears throat> Yeah, sure. So the, first of all, the commandment to not worship graven images is a, is a bit distinct from the commandment to not make any art. <laughs> I mean, that... Is a bit of a leap there, you know. Uh, But but this is uh, you know this grows out of the first commandment that the Lord forbids idolatry and and why you know is the Lord. I mean, I suppose if you don't think that there's a God, and so this is just some sort of absolute tyrannical sort of thing, and that therefore the worship of God has nothing to do with our salvation, then this would really smell quite bad to you. We of course understand. That the reason why the Lord forbids worship of other gods and uh, making of graven images is precisely, you know, for our salvation. So, uh, you know, there is a bit of a different take on this thing. But this idea that the Lord punishes those uh, who, uh, who break his commandments to the third and fourth generation they conveniently left out that the Lord shows mercy to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So the, there's a, the contrast is completely skipped over, that the Lord's mercy is very uh, is boundless while his judgment is limited, and that's
1: the point of that text. Okay, we need to take a break. More on this right after the break.
0: Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com.
1: You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're listening to audio from the cable TV show, Ask an Atheist, What's Wrong with the Ten Commandments? So far we've heard them critique, well, kind of, commandments one and uh, one and a half or two if you're of certain stripes. Now, one of the things I noticed about this is that in all of the responses that the atheists are offering, they're begging the question, and that's when you um, assume the position you're trying to prove in your argumentation. So... Um, if, if they're trying to set forth some kind of uh, argument that God doesn't exist and then analyze that uh, that the Ten Commandments are immoral, um, yeah, if I already assumed that God doesn't exist, then the First Commandment sounds pretty ridiculous. Um, how, how dare someone believe that you should have no other gods if there is no other god? Um, but if you believe in God, the first commandment sounds very reasonable (laughs) that uh, a true God would not create, um, uh, humanity simply to be an object of his love and then, uh, tolerate those people to worship something other than him. So it sounds very reasonable if you, if you believe God actually exists. So instead of going to the work of proving that God, uh, or trying to make your argument that God doesn't exist, they're just saying, look how ridiculous this is because, uh, what we believe is already true. It's not without actually making the argument. That's right. It's like you pretend there's no such thing as a ball, and then you go and critique the
0: rules of soccer. Well, of course the rules of soccer <laughs> sound stupid if you don't have a. If there's no
1: such thing as a ball. <laughs> I mean, but it's kind of you know the the game's up at that point. Well, I I mean I'm so. sitting right here right now, and I don't see a ball, so balls don't exist. <laughs> You're going to hear the ball hits
0: the net like the ball's going to ever hit the net. (laughs) (laughs) You have to kick the ball. So your point stands as really
1: nicely made. Thank you very much. Let's hear more from the atheists.
2: On to the third. (laughs)
4: <laughs> so, for an omniscient being, this god is remarkably imprecise. Now, most people interpret this as a, com- a ban on one of my favorite pastimes, blasphemy. Uh, now, Bertrand Russell said that every great idea starts out as blasphemy. And while that is certainly true, it's important to note that criminalizing blasphemy, laws against blasphemy, kind of give the game away. They make it so that an all-powerful god can't withstand criticism. Essentially, the very idea of God is so weak and fragile that it crumbles under any criticism.
2: And you know what I say about this commandment? Jesus Christ, not this one again.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and Dan, you have a good line about this one well, as well. Well,
2: blasphemy
3: is it, it's a moral impulse to blaspheme the power, because the power doesn't want to be criticized. So basically, <clears throat> since there is no power, there's no God, blasphemy is a victimless crime. And, and side note, we've actually had some success lately at
4: FFRF getting some blasphemy statutes taken off the books. I just got one taken off the books in Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, and, and the Danish parliament actually just removed their blasphemy law. So we're making progress on Although that Although
2: it's, it's a huge problem globally. It is,
4: and I think Canada and even New Zealand are considering removing it now as well.
2: So
0: All right. What are your thoughts on I'm, that one? I'm so glad that we're getting rid of the blasphemy laws because that makes it uh, so I can say as a preacher anything I want. Like I can preach against homosexual marriage, and I'll never get in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I can talk about, um, you know, uh, for example, that uh, I think that transgenderism is dangerous for a person, and I'll, I don't have to ever worry about, you know, blaspheming the status
1: quo because we're free to say whatever we want. You know what they didn't mention, you know, as they as they're getting these blasphemy laws repealed. Are they busting out all the people in prison who are there because of blasphemy? Uh, Did it? I don't think they mentioned because there's probably just thousands of people who are in jail today because of blasphemy laws. And I'm just glad that they're doing this hard work that's creating such a problem in our society, you know, because these laws are on the books. And it's a great, you know, (laughs) sarcasm is pretty thick. It's a great problem in our society <laughs> that these laws that nobody cares about are on the books. It is. a It's a really, uh, in fact, though, I mean, the,
0: the, when you and I go to prison, it's going to be because we break the blasphemy laws. And we bla- and it's not going to be that we've blasphemed God, but that we've blasphemed the kind of um, the, the, uh, that, the ex- acceptable mm-hmm. uh, social way of talking. Mm-hmm. I mean... What is not um, the the whole language and thought police, except for uh, a, a secular form of blasphemy laws, and we want to make this distinction too, and that is that the, when the Ten Commandments are putting before us the moral law, that the the way that that moral law is executed is uh, under our um, kind of human wisdom is is going to be uh, different in every place. So, for example, Jesus tells us that. Uh, to call someone a fool is to murder them, and yet, w- when it comes to our civil society, th- we're able to recognize that there's a difference between uh, libel and uh, assault. You know, there's different degrees in which the, the different breaking of the commandments ought, you know, ought to be punished. Uh, now, the Lord gives specific civil laws for how it should be under Israel, but we have different manifestations of that in our own time so it's so how how these um how the moral principles of the 10 commandments are put into place vary from place to place according to our human wisdom and that's and that's fine we recognize that but to, you know but to come along and say well, um you know that there's no danger in the misuse of the lord's name i mean again they they even made the point that you made at the beginning of this thing is that it makes if there is no god who has no name which is given to bless us and give us life then this makes no sense, but if, uh, if the uh, one hand there is no other name by which we must be saved, and at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, then it makes sense that we in fact hold this name in, in awe and reverence,
1: and honor it, and to the point where that, the uh, the fact that the commandment "You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, uh, or you know use His name in vain," um, is an indicator that god is above critique. I wonder if that's what one would say if at his job the boss says, "Hey, I, w- I want you to to work on Saturday." And the employee says, "You know, I'm going to tell you where to stick it because I don't care what you say." And then he gets fired. Well, that boss is just above critique. You know, he he can't he can't uh he can't tolerate an alternative opinion. <laughs> I mean, th- yeah. this is the thing when it when it comes to authority, we there is a matter of respecting that authority. And um, what the atheist can't understand is that or uh, refuse to understand or refuse to believe is that uh, God exists, and that if He exists, then He created all things, and that He has an authority. So definitely, we would be subject to uh, misusing His name um, without it being any kind of a marker that He's. Unable to be critiqued, it's a matter of authority, right. right? That's right. So the question
0: and a good exercise for the atheist might be to let's just assume that the Bible is true, that God created everything, that Jesus came a man to die for our sins, etc. Let's just assume that. Then do the, are the Ten Commandments um, uh, so so absurd in that particular context? That you know that that would be one of the critical questions. Now, the other thing that I, I think is interesting is that. Um, one of the marks of uh, our own confession of faith uh, the, is that it, it makes historical assertions, therefore making it criticizable. You, mm-hmm. So you can look at the, at the Christian confession, and you can, in fact, um, bring an argument against it. We, we do not assert the, how did the Calvinists talk about it, the, um, the, the irresistibility of grace, but in fact because the lord is working in history we say that um his works uh can uh can come under critique mm. and that's one of the the very fact that the atheists are here critiquing hmm. the the name of jesus is is po- is
1: uh, by point of fact uh demonstrating that he is uh able to be criticized in other words is, they're, they're is not it? being struck down in their criticism at this moment is that your, is that the point right Yeah. that's right Mm-hmm. Um uh and, uh and also and I think um I always can't pronounce that guy's name Buddha Jess that he he has all these, Yeah he has all these books Buda, out. he he wrote one that I think is particularly interesting uh what we can't not know and it talks about the 10 commandments and how these uh the commandments are somewhat intuitive within us and it's amazing that the atheists who who would say you know right and left that there is no god there is no god there is no god, is no god and yet somehow would Always be using his name as a curse word. <laughs> I mean, I I, I never stub my toe and say "Oh my leprechaun" or "Oh my unicorn." But somehow, even though that God doesn't exist, these words be, find their ways into our mouth uh, so that we can use use them as curse words. I mean that that's amazing, yeah. isn't it? It is. It is. Let's I hear- mean,
0: it could it could be explained culturally, I suppose, you know. So you've got to allow for an explanation of it. But um, it is an irony that is nice to point out.
1: Okay. Just about a minute before our next break, let's go grab a little bit more audio. Whoop. Whoop. Number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it going.
3: So remembering the Sabbath day, that's not a law in the United States. It's not against the law to sleep in on Sunday mornings. In fact, those first four commandments have nothing to do with morality or modern American law. But uh, read on what it says about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was really just to honor the God so that He could be worshipped. But you know what is the penalty if if someone was caught breaking the Sabbath? We have an example in the, the 15th chapter of the book of Numbers. One of the Israelites was discovered outside the camp on the Sabbath day picking up sticks of all things. And so the Israelites says, well, look, it's the Sabbath. He's working. He's not honoring God. What should we do? So they went to Moses and they said, what should we do? We found a guy picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Horrible. And so Moses said, well, he talked with God and Moses said, he's got to die. So they took that man outside the camp and they stoned him to death that he died. The Bible says that always in a funny way. They stoned him with stones that he died.
1: All right, we're going to be responding to that when we get back from this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we're critiquing What's Wrong with the Ten Commandments by Ask an Atheist. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this break.
3: Hi, this is Jonathan Fisk, and Table Talk Radio is terrible. Hey, daily
0: devotions for your family. Around the word is found at whatdoesthismean.org
1: And we're back on Table Talk Radio. We just heard from Ask an Atheist show analyzing what's wrong with the Ten Commandments, the commentary on the Third Commandment or Fourth Commandment, depending on who you are, about uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, one thing I think is interesting is that the perspective that the Freedom From Religion Foundation has in critiquing the Ten Commandments is they're trying to show that these have no place in American civil law. Right. And uh, so... Uh, you know they're always because go- they're always facing the Christians' argument or any not necessarily the Christians' argument, but uh, you know maybe the 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 Jews' argument that says, look, um, the the Ten Commandments pl- provide a platform for morality of which we can bring to uh, legislate in our land, and the Freedom from Re- Religion Foundation wants to say, no, 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 no way. But notice what this guy did. What he did is um, he brought out the foolishness of this commandment on the basis of a punishment being executed in the Old Testament. So um, he starts out saying, well, the third commandment isn't really in play in our society, but look how ridiculous it is that someone would be killed for breaking the commandment uh, in the Bible. But I, I kind of wonder if, um, if there was an example in the Scriptures where someone broke the commandment and then there was no punishment to say, well, look, God doesn't take these commandments seriously anyway because this person broke it and then wasn't punished. So in other words, um, we're subject to the atheist reason to see if, it fits, if it's okay with him whether to say how ridiculous or not it is when God is the one who gets to pick the punishments for his violation, violation of his commandments. That's right, because we don't understand something. Then that gives us the
0: freedom to critique it, or maybe we do think we understand it.
1: Sorry to, sorry to interrupt I mean, I your su- lunch break, by
0: the way. That's right. I got, found a calcium bar. It's <laughs> going to give me the strength to get through the rest of this nonsense. <laughs> Though I got to look at the expiration date. If I go down, expired in two thousand fourteen. Oh my goodness! So uh, nothing like nothing like food bank
1: calcium bars. You know, <laughs> keep you going, make them through the. <laughs> I think the food bank is for other people who come to the church for food. I'm not, I'm not sure it's for the pastor it's tithes. <laughs> now the um the point of this is uh what was this
0: uh talking about here? the third commandment oh yeah yeah so we've got to set up aside time to hear the lord's word now uh there is no such thing as god and there's no such thing as his word so this thing is stupid i mean the same okay fine but maybe there is a word of the lord and maybe it does give us life and forgiveness and grace kindness etc maybe this is important we're right on the edge of the second table of the law, and I think you would say that when we speak of the morality of the Ten Commandments, that the the second table of the law, the second half of the Ten Commandments, which say things like don't murder, etc., uh, are the uh, established God's ordering of our lives together. So it's true that the first half of the commandments speak of the spiritual estate, and it's true then that that is given over to the vocation of the church and not directly to the vocation of the state. The state, in fact, is to make sure that there's room for the keeping of the first table of the law, but not to enforce the uh, first table of the law. And it's also true that Old Testament Israel was a theocracy. In other words, the state and the church were bound up into one. But when Jesus says, give unto Caesar what's Caesar's, and give unto the Lord what's the Lord, he divides those two. And so we do not expect the state to enforce the first table of the law. And so um it is i suppose a, f- a fair sort of thing if people want to say hey you don't don't write laws based on the first three commandments and uh i, I and i i suppose that would be fine but what i'm really interested in is to hear what they're going to do with the second table of the law and see how that goes how they try to unravel that thing
1: oh yes let's see here.
2: i think we've lost the voiceover oh for i am the lord thy god there, there we go that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee is the rest of the fifth commandment in this version of the Ten Commandments. And um, this sounds like a good verse. It's it's a little bit more positive than the rest of the Ten Commandments, but I think there is an inadequacy in it. Um, Honor your parents, but let's hope that they deserve it. Should a child who is beaten or uh, raped by a father honor her father, it's couched in absolutes, But there would have been a more important um, uh, commandment when you only have the top ten that you're highlighting, and that would be parents, honor your children. Children are helpless. They're brought into the world by adults, and we as the adults have a responsibility to take care of them. So we should be honoring our children, correct? And that should come first. And who is this lady
0: to put her morality on me (laughs) to to say that I should honor my children with such absolute terms? What if my children don't deserve honor? What if my children beat me? How can she speak in such absolute terms like that?
1: That's what I want to know. (laughs) Uh, Well, you bring up a good point. (laughs) Um, I, I liked how how the reason that this commandment is ridiculous is because it doesn't leave room for the hard cases, but nowhere is there a place for her to, um, recognize that it is a true thing that parents ought to honor father and mother. So, so I mean, Oh, let's, let's throw away the fourth commandment because it doesn't say anything about those parents who don't deserve it
2: right well, that's what, right what about the principle yeah, of the, mor- th- of those, the morality.
1: it doesn't say anything about the about the parents who break the fifth
0: commandment and the sixth commandment towards their children oh wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> no, we haven't we haven't gotten we haven't finished unraveling those commandments either you know <laughs> uh, you know it's crazy of course you're not the the parents are not supposed to beat their kids let's you know that's why the uh, sheesh all right, part, and it's part of the fourth commandment. This is expansive understanding of the fourth commandment, which establishes family uh, for the support of life. Everything. So, the, the, when the Bible talks about something being good, it's because it brings forth life. And now you're going to, you know, take it around and use it to bring forth death. Here, the here, the commandments are trying to avoid this expansive a uh, 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 push of our human flesh towards death and corruption, and and to try to save us in some ways from ourselves. And ah, uh, no, no, no. That's not good enough. It's crazy. All right, here's the next one, Pastor. We'll
2: earn the respect of our children, and they will honor us. Now, number six.
4: So finally we get to a moral law here, six commandments deep. So thou shalt not kill is actually the way only some of the religions and Bibles interpret it. Other religions and Bibles interpret this as thou shalt not murder. And the difference is actually pretty significant because if you can't kill, if somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night, you can't even kill them in self-defense versus
0: thou shalt not murder, which might allow for that.
4: And whichever interpretation... What is he talking about, different
0: really, Just y- the
1: different bi- versions of the Bible translate it murder or kill? Right. Yeah, he, he he's not talking... I mean, so he's saying that it's interpretations, but really the question is how you would actually tr- translate the word from the original Hebrew. Because there is I'm a distinction. I'm sure he's going to tell us this. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure he's going to give us some great profound insight
0: on this, these moral philosophers that these guys are. Yeah.
1: Do you know what my prediction is? My okay. prediction is, is that they're going to say... Uh, well, God had the Israelites kill people, so um, who, is, who is God to be telling us not to kill people when he himself tells people to kill people? Just... Yeah, yeah, that's right. God kills yes, everybody. Remember... So, yeah, yeah, here that
4: The Israelites in the Bible didn't really pay much attention to this one because immediately after they get these commandments, they go on a killing spree. They commit some 70 genocides in the next few books of the Bible, especially in Joshua. So thou shalt not kill doesn't apply so much to them.
2: And also the Bible- Okay,
1: well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are, are we saying that, that the, the legitimacy of the commandment is dependent upon the Israelites' ability to keep them? Because then I think we have the zero commandments. <laughs> right, that's right. I'm pretty
0: sure the reason God gave the commandments is because our flesh doesn't want to keep them. And the fact that the Israelites could murder, uh, you know, Cain killed Abel... So that that somehow undoes the command, don't murder your brother but but you know if the lord th- there's a different thing uh b- between killing and between war, in fact, the authority of the sword, which is the authority to bring capital punishment be either on a, a nation outside or a nation inside is is explicitly taught in the scriptures uh and so uh that the Lord gives to uh, legitimate governments the authority to wield. Lethal force is not by the commandment you shall not shall not murder this is why the Lord says if a man takes another man's life, his life is forfeit what do you, uh, if you murder you you get murdered uh it's so so that this the that we would not just be laying in pools of our neighbor's blood. The Lord has established the sword it's uh I don't know so it's really you take a really kind of simplistic view of the commandments and it's like you're critiquing some sort of—I don't know. It's if you assume. So in the first table, they assume that there is no God, and then you you kind of make fun of them. But then in the second commandment, you just kind of assume that we're all morons, <laughs> and that there's no actual thought on how these commandments ought to ought to be um, brought to bear in the different estates. And then and then you just mock it. It's just—it's kind of—I don't know. I, imbecilic it's not it's, in a, it's not treat, it's not treating the Ten Commandments with any sort of seriousness now maybe they would say, well the, look the Ten Commandments don 't deserve to be treated with seriousness, well then just don't treat them you know mm-hmm. I mean if you can't acknowledge that there is there, there might be something helpful here that even generations of men who were not and, and women who are not even Christians found something helpful in them, and that you find reflections of the Ten Commandments in the laws and in the thoughts of of every society ever. That, so that they deserve at least to be to have a kind of a serious consideration. If you're not gonna it, kind of admit that, then then maybe you shouldn't be dealing with them. If you, if you just want to make them an object of ridicule, I mean, it, if, it'd be like us treating this show and talking about um, you know the hair of the lady or whatever. You know, it's not or the scarf. Or maybe
1: talking about how the set looks like between two fingers. I, I <laughs> okay, I we're out of time, but I'm going to do an extended version for the podcast because um, I, I'm dying to know to hear what they say is wrong with the sixth commandment, or as they call it, the seventh commandment. So here, here's the audio. It's a universal human principle.
2: So let's go on to the next one. So here again, you have. 10 Commandments that you are highlighting and you make adultery one of them and you don't mention thou shalt not commit sexual assault, uh, that, that to me, and of course the rest of um, the Mosaic Law is full of teachings, there are about 600 or 700 um, Mosaic Laws, not just the 10 Commandments, but these are the ones that are highlighted, and many of these commandments do endorse rape. Uh, so oh, really? um, there's something very wrong like the, with Like this. the like uh, the law
0: that says if a man rapes a woman, he should be stoned. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. But Eddie, can you can you imagine? Criti- so here's our critique of the sixth commandment. It says, "You shall not commit adultery," and it, but
1: there are so many worse ways right. to commit adultery than adultery. So. so so this was the this was the pregame. This was the show prep for the Freedom from Religion Foundation before they went on the set of uh, Between Two Ferns. Was they said, okay. If we disagree with the principle of the, of the commandment, we'll say that it's ridiculous. But if we agree with it, we'll find some other one that should have been placed as a higher priority than this one. So, right. so, so, I mean, it, either way, we have an issue with this because if it's a morality that we agree— I mean, who would say, hey, go go cheat on your spouse? Um, right. uh, go, go ahead and do it. We're not, not going to say that. We're going to say, well, how could they say this one but not mention anything about rape, which the Bible does?
0: Yeah, and all, and it's like all the Christians are we're like against adultery, but for rape. I mean, it's a, it's ridiculous. Have they not ever been to church and youth group? I mean, you're you know what? Hey, you're against a lot of things. Any in in fact, any sort of intimacy outside the bounds of marriage is completely uh, forbidden by the scriptures. I mean, uh, why why don't they talk about how the Bible has a kind of illegitimate like sexual rigidity? It should be the a true critique of this thing i th- would think from their perspective but that's a, all part of the ten commandments so we the the the, the sixth commandment has a broad understanding yep oh, well.
1: all right that's going to be all the time we have for this critique. are you kidding me uh, i'm afraid we're all out of time i'm sorry but uh thanks for listening Man. to this edition of table talk radio again we do want to hear from you by give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA thanks for listening to this edition of table talk radio where the points are like the laws you get from the
0: Freedom From Religion Foundation.
1: <laughs> get points today.
4: Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Really Please bad. consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. You know what I mean? Bad. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, bad. headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, we and aversion to, to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, atletosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter and falling off
0: your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.